All right, all right, all right. To the Misfit Nation. This past week has been a fight for our family. We've been dealing with an invisible issue forever. And it finally peaked out and wanted to destroy us. The enemy that came into our faces is depression. The World Health Organization gives a figure of at least 5% of all adults in the world suffer from depression in some form. In the United States, the National Institute for Mental Health, the NIMH, estimates that an estimated 17.3 million adults in the United States, that number's 17.3 million adults in the United States, had at least one major depressive episode. This number represents 7.1% of all U.S. adults. The prevalence of major depressive episodes was higher amongst adult females at 8.7% compared to that of males at 5.3%. The prevalence of adults with a major depressive episode was highest amongst those in the age group of 18 to 25, or 13.1% of all adults. No one is immune to this invisible killer. It does not care where your family comes from. It does not care if you are rich. It does not care if you are poor. It does not care if you are male or female. It is an indiscriminate killer. Many times, we, as the circle, see the signs and we ignore them. The person suffering from depression sees them, but blames themselves for being different. Most will try to cover it up or fix it with another means to try to make it go away, for now, a short-term solution. A week ago, this nearly destroyed us. There was no more covering it up or fixing it. We nearly lost everything. Take this from the misfit. Push your circle to get help. Do not accept any delays for it. Hug your loved ones and let them know you care. Let them know you love them. Our next guest knows this all too well. She too was of the mindset she was just different. And thankfully, her circle was able to jump in and get her to a better place in life. So without further ado, Let's get Miss Kathy Jean Francois on here. All right, let's welcome to the show Kathy from Queens, New York. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Richard. How are you doing? Uh, very well, very well. It's a beautiful Monday here. Sun's out. We all woke up this morning, so that's a great time. So why don't you let us know a little bit about your, your background from as far back as you want to go to where you are now and how you got to where you are now. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much, first of all, for um, inviting me to be a part of your podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, so I'm Kathy Jean-Francois, and I am from Queens, New York. And uh, I am, uh, I guess, I, I'm, I'm a writer. Um, well, what brings in the bills is me being a teacher. I'm a middle school teacher. Yeah. And um, I, I've been a teacher since 2008. So uh, it's something that I really enjoy. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's the best thing in the world. But it, I continue to do it. And I continue to have students who look up to me. And that's a beautiful thing. And um, I, my first passion has always been writing. So ever since I could remember, I was always writing. I was always um, writing poetry and I, you know, uh, writing in my diary, you know, all this, all these things. And I've always tried to write short stories and 
And I even took creative writing and literature in school when I was at Hofstra University. And when I graduated, I started my career off in the publishing industry, in the book publishing industry in Manhattan, until I decided to become a teacher. But writing has never left me. I continue to write on, uh, I created a blog a few years ago when I was a single woman and it was called The Reluctant Bachelorette. And it was all about my, why, why can I find a man to marry? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, funny disaster date stories and all that. And then I met somebody to marry me. <laughs> and then I got married. And his last name happens to be Ty, T-I-G-H-E. So I created a, a blog called Tied at the Knot, you know, using his last name as part of the my my blog title and uh, it was stories about my life as a new wife and that was short-lived I'm I stopped that one about uh, a month ago or so and I created a new blog well I'm in the process of creating a new blog uh, called Kathy's cross.wordpress.com it hasn't launched yet I plan to launch it today or tomorrow as a matter of fact but it's about my journey as somebody who suffers with depression. And it's not something that I've readily, I'm not gonna say readily talked about, but it's not something that I've talked about in the past before, unless it was mentioned, unless it was relevant to whatever discussion um, that was happening at the time. And uh, it's it's about my journey, about the ways in which I um, handle, try to handle my depression, which is something of a daily I want to say struggle, but I don't want to use such a negative term, but it, it, it it's about how I, I've been dealing with my depression. Okay. I was actually just reading your blog a little bit ago, and I was I thought maybe it was just a play on words with the tie, the knot thing, and, and then the first uh, paragraph that I recently wanted to stop this blog, as I get it now, it is a tie, play on words. Now it makes more sense that it's your husband's last name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but... Along the lines, your your writing was a uh, very very good in the, in the blog. I enjoyed it, and my daughter's actually a creative writing major. She graduated uh, 2019 from Austin P, uh, and she she critiques everything I do on, on my blog for me. So she's she's like my publisher, and I don't have to pay anymore because I paid love for it. everything else. And with her growing up, so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> are you in Are you in the public schools in New York, or you do you teach at a private school? In the public school. Um, yeah, public school not, okay. yeah, I'm a New York City public school teacher. So that's a that's a challenge in itself. Uh, with a, you have a very diverse uh, group of children that you get to teach, and I mean it's a challenge and it's a reward because you get a diverse group of children there. What's your biggest challenge with, with getting the kids to stay focused these days? Um. Well. My recent memory is going back is going back just a year and a half to, through the pandemic. And one of the right. things that was a major challenge was having students not I mean, I, I have very good students at this time, uh, students who show up to class when they're supposed to. It, in other words, it, during pandemic times, they logged on to Google Classroom whenever we had a class. But the main challenge was getting them to turn on their cameras so basically ah. whenever i had a live class with them i was teaching to a bunch of small what do you call it um 
they little um, like icons icons yeah. thank you so much i was teaching to a bunch of icons and i didn't see anybody's faces or their expressions and and nobody wanted to speak up they wrote everything in the chat so that was a challenge to me but i have to say even though that was a challenge they still all pretty much showed up and most of them did their work so i'm gonna say that that was a challenge that um wasn't you know i, I i'm gonna say that was a good challenge <laughs> Okay, that was a good fight, yeah. Because <laughs> I know my wife's a middle school teacher here in Tennessee, and uh, she hated doing all the virtual classes just for that reason, because she couldn't get the feed, the instant feedback from the kids. So you, you couldn't see their faces when they're either shock or awe, or or they're excited that they understood something. So that was that was really hard for her. But she loves being back in the classroom now. Yeah. So school is starting up in um, in a week, and uh, it's going to be, it'll be weird, I think. Not weird, it'll just, I, I don't know the right word for it, but it, 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 will, it will seem very different coming into the new school year for the first time in a, in a year and a half, seeing the students and being in a full classroom. I, I, and I can't imagine what it's like for the students themselves. Yeah, I'm sure most of them, especially middle school, they, the last time they were in school was elementary probably for a lot of them. And it's a big difference now going into that middle school hallway and, and starting to do things the way you're supposed to do and not just sit around in your house in a pair of shorts and t-shirt on the computer. Now you're not worried about how they look when they go to school and making them friends again, real life friends and actually being in the community again. So it's going to be, it should be fun up there for you guys to go through that change together since you guys really were not in school for the whole year and a half of the whole pandemic. That, that's a really good point. And that's a really good point. So, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I, yeah. I I've managed to interact with uh, some of the students that I will have in 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 the in this new school year. So, and they seem like a, a, a bunch of lovely students. So, I have every uh, reason to to feel positive about this coming school year. And I hope everything works out well. And I, I, I just think it's going to be a lot of excitement and unknown for them coming in, especially with a year and a half not in the hallways. And so it'll be some getting some growing pains for some of them. And and I guess it'll it'll work itself out as you guys probably get to Thanksgiving time period and start to drive into the harder subjects as you move forward. I completely agree with you. I think it'll be something that they'll be able to get right into the rhythm of. I Yeah. So you, you spoke about uh, your fight with your battle with depression. How did you realize that you had it? And what was your first steps to start to, uh, I guess, uh, battle it or handle it as you grew older? That's a good question. So, uh, you know, all my life, when, when I was younger, I have a twin sister. And so um, it, it was between the, the two of us, it always seemed like, I was just always upset about something, always angry, always um, hating myself for something. And and my sister always seemed to be the outgoing person. She was always happy. She did she did the things that she wanted to do. And there I was, always sulking in a corner, always upset. And I really never understood why. And and because I didn't understand why, I felt like, gosh, what's wrong with you? Get over it. Get over it. And I used to be very angry with myself. And I didn't like myself very much. I I want to use the word hate because at the time that's how I felt. I hated myself. 
And um, I didn't know that I was suffering. What I was suffering was was depression. I think I, I realized it when I was in high school and I didn't do anything about it at the time. I just kept on going. Um, I just kept on moving forward and just doing what I did. And I didn't try to address the issue when I realized that I was suffering with depression until I was in my, I'm going to say my late 20s, maybe mid-20s. Um, my sister, she she had always to deal she always dealt with me being in a, in a foul mood, me being upset and, and all this. And she didn't know how to help me. And she she was one of the people who was like, just get over it. And, and of course, she didn't know any better. And neither did I. So I don't blame her for that at all. But uh, there was at one point she was like, you know, she kept telling me, maybe you should talk to somebody. Maybe you should seek a therapist. And I never did. I was just like, yeah, yeah, maybe I should. But I never did. And finally it got to a point where it was so bad that she was like, screw this. I'm going to I'm going to seek a therapist for you. And she did. And she started the the initial research for me to find a therapist. And when I did find one actually close to home, uh, I was going to, I went to go see the therapist uh, every week. And then he put me in in a group therapy session. So I had group therapy um, with a number of other people that he was, uh, other other patients that he was seeing. And I had a one-on-one with him every week. And I, and I felt like it helped and he, and I was medicated also, he prescribed, I I believe it was Lexapro and I was medicated also. And, and at the time I was like, you know, finally I'm, I'm doing something about this. And, and I called the medication, my happy pills and, you know, and I really felt it was working and I, and I, I really think it was working, but my situation changed. Uh, My father passed away. So and abruptly and then I started getting into this the whole thing like there's got to be more to life than just this and what would my father want from me and all that and so I quit my job which means I did no longer had the medical insurance to uh, help me with my uh, medication and therapy sessions and so I stopped that altogether and I continued um, with with my life and the the depression was still getting was was still bad right but i tried to keep it in check i tried to be happy i tried to you know think positively and then something interesting happened my sister was always into fitness and she looked really really good because she was working out every day and we used to go to what uh to this well not used to we continue to do it every year there's this twins festival that happens in ohio where twins from all over the world go and we just hang out for an entire weekend, just having fun and just getting to know each other. It's really an amazing thing. Um, and my sister was like, well, you know, um, I'm working out every day and you're not. And you're not going to look as good as me when we get to the Twins Festival. And she said it as a joke and have have joking, have serious. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you're right. I have to look good, too. So I started working out, too. And then I and then I made a, a, a New Year's resolution. I'm going to tell you this, the first and last time I ever made a New Year's resolution was, I forgot what year it was, but when I did it, it was <laughs> to work out every single day because I started noticing a slight change in the way that I looked and I liked it. I was like, you know what, working out only on the weekends or, you know, whenever I have time to, it's it's not, it's, I, I see the change, but it's not enough, right? So I started working every single day. And then I started 
realizing like a few months, like maybe probably May or June of that year with, with my working out every single day, I noticed that I wasn't as sad or depressed as I used to be. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then I did very minimum research on it and found that um, exercise, daily exercise is really good to help the endorphins or something and, and helping you get into a better mood. So I was like, okay, this is very interesting. And then my sister got into like a lot of, um, uh, you know, um, positive self-talk. She got into meditation and affirmations. And then of course, because we're so close, she was telling me about all of this. And I just, I decided to do it too. And then I realized much, much later that a combination of my daily exercise and the, and the self-talk and the, the, uh, the, the, um, I'm sorry, the meditation and affirmations were really helping me to, to see a to feel better about myself and about my situation and just just to let go of that depression. And then I decided, but while it was while I was getting better with depression, the depression was still there. And so I decided to seek therapy again. And this time I went to therapy. I didn't I didn't do group therapy. It was just me one-on-one with a therapist who did not prescribe any medication for me. But I realized that the talk therapy, affirmations, meditation, exercise, positive self-talk all helped me on a daily basis com- combat the depression that I was suffering with. And till this day, because I, I st- till this day, I still struggle with it in, in my work, you know, as, as a teacher. Sometimes it really gets me down, the things that I have to go through and the things that some of my students go through in the classroom. And, you know, my, my personal life, all this stuff on a daily basis, I still do suffer with depression, but it's on a scale where it does not overwhelm me like it had been before. That's, I mean, that's amazing that you were able to find that, find that way to get through with one. I, I'm always against medication hundred percent for this stuff, but cause in where I come from was in the military for 22 years. And I seen a lot of guys and girls become basically zombies. They didn't know what to do with them. So they, put them on so much medication and they just walked around with zero feelings, zero emotion in their eyes. And they were just totally different people. So when I got out and that's, that's the first thing the VA wanted to do to me is give me medication. I told them, no, I just walked out. It took me, I think three years for me to go see a, a therapist to talk through the things I seen and did overseas. And he helped me tremendously just talking to me, just listening to what I went through and making me relive it basically in his office and talk to him step by step, everything that we did on a mission or everything that happened to let him know. And that helped me. And then running, running helped me exponentially. Just getting out there running in the morning or running in the at night, depending on my schedule. It burnt out all the negativity that was in my head. It was, I called it my, my, my church, my therapy. I'd go, I'm going to therapy now. I'm going to run. I'd just go run. I'm going to run four miles. I wound up doing 20. And I would just do that until I felt good. And I think you found that through the challenge with your twin sister, the workout challenge. And I mean, basically challenge accepted. She said, you're not going to look as good as me. And you said, "Uh, I bet you I will. And you went and worked out. That was part of your, your game plan to get in there, but not knowing that it would, it would help you other ways as well. Really? I found it all by accident, I guess you can say, um, except that <laughs> through talk therapy, I, I sought that out. But 
everything else was just it it was just a it was almost like um once I, I I started one thing, the floodgates opened and everything else was coming to me. So I, it's to help me with this, you know? Right. And uh, sometimes it takes that gentle nudge. Like your your sister didn't really nudge you to become fit. She nudged you in a direction that forced you to challenge yourself. And also, she also did the research for you along the way to help you try to find the help you needed. And like you said, it worked at first and then the spiral happened when uh, when you lost your your father and you lost you left your job and then you really didn't have anything to do at that point and that kind of hurts when you're, you're kind of um how you say um placid at that time you're just sitting there and you the walls are starting to close around you it's hard to get out of that funk and you were able to do it and that's that's amazing thank you, thank you. and you know what you said before that when when you were talking to your therapist and you just said you know you know everything that had that you had gone through. I, I was thinking that it was it was almost like you were getting rid of all that baggage. You know that all that stuff that that was in you. You were just talking it out and getting rid of it. And that's that's that seems like it helped you through that. Oh, it did. It did tremendously. And uh, my wife, when I first came back uh, from war the first time, her and my daughter both said I was a different person. And I said no, whatever. And I just I just kept soldiering. I soldiered for the next. That was another 12 years after that I stayed in the army and uh, three more times over to war. And it wasn't until my last time where I realized, yes, I, I have totally changed. I, I'm a totally different person than I was back then. I'm not the happy go lucky kid. I was back then. I'm, I'm pretty angry about things. I had a real short fuse and I had to do get some help, but I didn't want to say I needed help because that, that would be wrong for a, a male to do that or a soldier to do that. And it finally took her begging, basically you need to get help. Both of us can't be crazy, she said. So I went and got help to level myself out, and I'm doing a much better now. Decided, well, you know, and, and it's funny because I was, so we, we talked about my blog, The Reluctant Bachelorette, when I was single, and then tied the knot when, when, I, when I married, when I got married. And while I was the Reluctant Bachelorette was fun, right? It was fun talking about my dating disasters and, and you know, um, just uh, other things that other single women can go through. And I knew who my audience was. But with, with Tied the Knot, that was fun for a while. But after, I, after a while, I was like, well, what am I trying to do here? How can I use my writing to, to help others? Or, you know, I, I always feel like if I can reach just one person, then I would have done my job as a writer, you know? Um, and so while I was still working on Tide the Knot, I was thinking, this is this is not doing that much for me. It's not doing anything for me. And that's when I really had to dig deep and say to myself, well, what is it that you want to share with others? And, and I was thinking about some other medical issues that I'm going through. I have endometriosis and that has really been something that has affected me greatly um, in, in the recent past, but I didn't really, I didn't want to be an advocate for that. I didn't want to really reach down and talk about that. But one thing that I do talk about and what I help what I talk to my students about as well is the depression that I've suffered. So I was like, why don't I do that? Why don't I write a blog about how I've overcome my depression? And it wasn't until I started doing that, Richard, just like a few weeks ago when I realized all the things that I had done in my past to help me deal with my depression. So this is fairly, really 
new, realizing everything that I that 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 I encountered, everything that I did, all the steps and action that I took in order to help me with my depression on a daily basis. And uh, it seems like you have uh, proactively stayed on top of it since you started the. Once you realized you had the the problem, the depression, you stayed on top of this very proactively. And a lot of people they falter when they're in there, and they they think, oh, I, I did enough this for two months. I'm good. I don't need to go back ever again. I don't need to do anything to help myself anymore. I'm good. And then they wind up worse than they were before. You seem to be well on the other side of that and understanding that you're you have a gift now to share with others, to help them get through their same, if they're going through the same stuff and not knowing it, you sharing it with your students. There's a lot of young, young kids now have issues of depression because of things going on in their lives that we really don't know about in their home or something that happened that we don't know about. They're depressed for some reason. And you sharing that with them helps them tremendously as they move forward in their, their middle school for, and into their lives. Yeah, I really do hope so. Um, and, and I, and, well, I say I hope so. So I'm going to I'm going to change that into saying I know it will, because there are some students who really look up to me and, they're, and they and they express it and they express how much they like me and admire me. And using what what I know about what I went through and using that to help them. I mean, what better way to capture the, the young people of today? There really is no better way. Exactly. And like you said, they look up to you and a lot of kids are looking for another person outside of the house that they can look up to and be that mentor or be that rock to, to lean on when they're in that hard place. And you and all teachers that are doing it for the right reasons are there for that for that whole situation. And it, that's like you said, with your writing, you used to want to make sure you got in touch with maybe one person to read your writing. If you get a 10 percent of the students that come in your classroom to listen and hear and understand what you're saying and then move forward in their lives, that's a victory. Yes, I agree. I agree. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it's like, uh, you know, I remember the, the, sometimes it feels like if, oh my gosh, not everybody was listening today. Oh, I, I don't feel good about it. And I'm, I'm such a bad teacher. You know, I, I start talking down about myself like that sometimes, not realizing or not, not coming to the realization that, dude, you know, you're working hard every day. Two or three students in the classroom were really into what you were saying. You know, that's, that's a, that is a victory, just like you said. Sometimes I, I don't see that. Sometimes it has to be brought to my attention, or sometimes I have to reflect on that. Absolutely. And it, it's just the, the little victories that uh, teachers especially, it's with all the extra stuff that you, you guys have to do now with all the data that has to be reported, all the, the calls to parents, all the extra work that no one really sees or understands that you guys do. They think that you go to school at eight, get off at four or whatever, and that's it. Most teachers, they bring their work home and they're sitting at their kitchen table or at their home office probably till it's late at night grading papers or getting ready for the next day so they can be their best for those kids the next day. And people That's don't me. see that effort. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm and, that teacher who, who neglects her life once school is, is open again, you know? And you know, I was just talking to my therapist just last week, telling her that I, I really need to make a change because when once school is in session, my entire day is about work, right? And I, yeah. I, I get up like crazy early in the morning. I get all my stuff ready. I'm teaching all day. 
after school, I'm grading and I'm preparing my lesson plans and I'm not done until like nine o'clock. That's no way to live. That really isn't. No, and so and I, especially, yeah. I'm sorry, again. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> so go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that, um, especially now that I'm married, I'm coming up to my second uh, anniversary and, you know, my husband knows how much I, I work and I I have to give him some time. I can't I can't spend all that time because before for a long time I was single and it didn't matter. I was going to bed nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, just working, 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 uh, you know, based on lesson plans and, and grading papers and stuff like that. But I can't do that anymore. I have to spend time with with my husband. I, I, I can't let that go by the wayside just because I want to be that perfect teacher. If, if I can't do it within the hours that's allotted me, well, I, I'm just going to have to do my best. Right. And there's times I have to tell my wife that I, let's talk about something else besides school. Because I mean, I can tell the admin portion of the school angers you. So let's, let's talk about something different. Talk about birds flying, anything. I'm, I don't want to hear it all day. I know you need someone to talk to. I don't want to hear that all day. Let's let's talk about something completely outside both of our jobs. That'll make us a lot better here. A closeness, I think, you know, just getting in touch with your spouse, just talking to your spouse. And, and it has nothing to do with the depression. It has nothing to do with the work. It's just getting to know each other all over again. Right, keep keeping it fresh, keeping it new, and, and uh, pushing the, all the negativity from anything that goes on outside of the the four walls of home. Keeping all that negativity outside, and trying, like you said, keep it fresh, keep it new. Always talking about cool things that make you make both of you tick. Things that I usually do with my students is ask them about the best part of their day, and. Many of them really love to, um, they, they look forward to that. And that wasn't, it, it didn't come from, you know, like out of my head or anything. It, I read a book by, gosh, I don't remember the name of the book or the author's name, but he was a, a college teacher and he, and he mentioned like that's how he was able to get his students to trust him and, and to listen to him was by asking them every day, you know, um, what was the best part of their day. And I remember I used to first ask students, um, what was the most interesting part of your day? And they would say, oh, there was a fight in the lunchroom. And, oh, you know, the, the teacher gave us an F and the teacher started yelling at us. They were saying all this negative stuff. But all this negative stuff was what they found interesting. So I had to change it around. I had to be like, well, okay, so what's the <laughs> best part of your day? And it was something that they really looked forward to. If I forgot one day, they'd be like, miss, you forgot to ask us what was the best part of our day. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> And so that was something that made that I looked forward to on a daily basis as well. And that was one of the things that made me feel really, really good. Because listen to this. Also, the fact that I'm a teacher teaching young people should elevate my mood because they're just so cute and young in their thinking. And the things that, that, that comes out of their mouth is just funny sometimes and just taking in the innocence, taking in their their cuteness and just the way that they are, I think helps me, helps to put me in a better mood a lot of the times. And I think that question you ask, uh, what's the part of the day you look forward to most, mm -hmm. that actually helps you to understand what they're going through too. If they say something that's really 
strange at that point. You say, I need to actually take you aside and talk to you and make sure you're okay at that point. Some of them will say awesome things like I'm um, going to soccer practice or football practice or whatever thing they're doing that day. But then there might be that one kid. My favorite thing is coming to school. So I'm safe here or something like that. Absolutely. And I'm going to say, thankfully, based on that question that I've asked a student for so many, many years, thankfully, I've never had a situation where I had to talk to the parent or talk to, um, uh, you know, the, the assistant principal or the principal or anything. Um, but I do remember there was this one girl who was always annoyed, always angry. Oh, I hate this school. I hate Jim. Jim was the class that she had just before my class. And so she always, uh, oh, I hate Jim. That. And, and every time I ask about the best part of their day, she'll be like, there's nothing best about this day. And, and then she happened to leave the school early or like in January, February, because she and her family moved to another state. But just before she moved, I kid you not, she came in one day and was like, yes, ask me what the best part of my day was. And, and I asked her, I honestly, till this day, don't remember what she said, but she was happy and she was looking forward to it. And this was the one girl that was like, there's nothing good about this day. There's nothing good about any of my days. And so that makes me feel good that not only was she able to find something, find something that was good about her day, but she was excited about sharing it with me and the rest of the class. So that made me feel really, really good. That's awesome. Uh, as we're running out of uh, time here, what would be three things you would tell someone that might have signs of depression or may have someone in their life that they believe is depressed, three things that they can do to maybe help them or help themselves to get over that hump? Okay, so I know this because I was just thinking about this today. One thing is to create. I realized that once I started writing about my depression, about the depression that I go through, once I started writing it down, it, it helped me get rid of it. It's, it was like a cleansing for me. So I say to, I would say create, do something that, you know, when you're feeling down, do something that you love, that, you, that can draw you in completely into a happy place. Two, laugh, watch or listen to something that makes you laugh and laugh and laugh, or watch an action movie that pulls you into the excitement, something to make you happy. And the third thing I would say is talk. Find someone to talk to. Find somebody that you trust. It might be a friend, a sibling, a relative, or even a therapist. Talk to somebody. That's what I would say. Awesome. That's great advice, Kathy. And I, I like all three of them, actually. And that's awesome. I, that's why I started this podcast, to keep me creative and be able to talk to people who are smart like you, who have gone through things and come to the other side and able to help others. I appreciate you taking your time to come on. And uh, uh, once again, what's the name of your new blog, which you're going to launch either today or tomorrow? It's called Kathy's Cross, C-A-T-H-Y-S, Cross, C-O-R-S-S, C-R-O-S-S, dot wordpress.com. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Richard, for giving me this platform to speak. And I hope I hope that you have an awesome That was great chatting with Kathy and learning her story of becoming a writer, then a teacher, while also learning about what was troubling her for so long, depression. 
She gave us some great advice, and I hope you were able to garner something from it to put in your toolboxes for the future. Thanks again for being on, and we look forward to great advice on your blog soon. In light of all that's transpired, I'm here again to tell you you are not alone. This time is critical for everyone to reach out to each other and keep us all whole. Do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Phone a friend. If you are a veteran, call the Veteran Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and press option 1. Get the help you need. We all want you around. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on The Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this on. We appreciate you. And as always, till the next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are The Misfit Nation.